You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is always Connor Halley. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. That's a great way to find all the podcasts that we've put up in the past. Before we get going today, I want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. That, of course, stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. It can help you out. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on in the show, and it should be a fun one, as we will be joined by friend of the podcast, TSN 1260's Matthew Awanek. Of course, you can hear him on the Dave Jamison Show Monday through Friday from noon till 2. Also, you can give him a follow on Twitter, at Matthew Iwanek. We'll talk about the Oilers. I'd say disappointing loss to the Calgary Flames on Wednesday night. Uh, anytime you lose 9-6, Game 1, to a divisional rival, a provincial rival, it's it's going to sting just a little bit more. And for the Edmonton Oilers, although they battled back and, and made it close, it was a game where it just seemed like it wasn't going to be their night. Uh, it only took 51 seconds for the team to be down 2 nothing. They would eventually be down 3 nothing. Connor McDavid scoring late in the first period to make it at least, you know, within reaching distance. It was 3-1, but the slow starts continued for the Oilers in the second period. Blake Coleman getting his first of the playoffs just 45 seconds into the period. He'll score again, and then... uh the Edmonton Oilers would make a late push. You know, they would score four straight goals to tie the game up at six apiece. Zach Hyman kind of putting the team on his shoulders for a little bit there, scoring twice. Leon Drysaddle getting one, and Kyler Yamamoto as well. But from there, the wheels fell off. The Calgary Flames almost kind of snapped their fingers, getting right back into it and scoring three straight, nine six final. The Edmonton Oilers obviously pretty disappointed about that performance defensively. It, it wasn't good. Uh, a few plays that stood out to me. Uh, on the second goal, which was kind of a backbreaker at the time, I mean, eventually it, it wouldn't be the biggest thing, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a bad turnover in his own end. It seemed like he was fighting the puck just a little bit. They were sloppy. They didn't get the big save that they needed. But at the same time, if you're a Flames fan listening to this one, first, congratulations on the Game 1 win. But you'd probably say the same with your goaltending also. <laughs> it was kind of a, a tale of the tape for everyone in this game. didn't matter if you were... Miko Koskinen, Mike Smith, or Jacob Markstrom for the Calgary Flames. Uh, obviously, when it's a 9-6 game, there's going to be some soft goals. We're probably not thinking that it was the tightest checking game, and uh, that was the case on Wednesday night for the Oilers and the Flames. Now the Oilers will turn their attention to Friday night, game number two down in Calgary. 8.30 puck drop, which of course means it's really closer to 8.40, maybe 8.45. If you are looking for some pregame coverage, make sure to tune in to TSN 1260. Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself will have you covered beginning at 6.30. If you are planning to go out and about, it kind of works out nicely. You can go for dinner, have a couple drinks, be settled in, and then, of course, puck drop will go down for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Jay Woodcroft spoke to the media today. He did say that Mike Smith will get the start. Obviously, uh, I don't think too many people would be too surprised about that one. Uh, you're going to give your veteran a chance to bounce back. We've seen Mike Smith do that this season. We've seen him do it in the playoffs, so we'll see what happens there. Obviously, he's got to be a lot better if the Oilers have any chance in this series. Right now, though, let's bring in our guest on the podcast today, Matthew Owanek of TSN 1260. You can hear him on the Dave Jamison Show Monday through Friday from noon till 2. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Matthew Owanek. Matt, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? 
uh, I'm good. To figure out what happened on Wednesday night in Calgary, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to put it into words outside of we saw some utter chaos, but I'm good. Now, you weren't planning to talk about that game too much on the radio today, were you? I, I think there was a little mix-up, and was it a one-hour show turned into a four-hour show with you and Tom Gazzola? Yeah, it wasn't a mix-up. <laughs> we were supposed to do a one-hour show and then go to play Canada-Kazakhstan at the World Hockey Championships. The coverage is supposed to start at 11 and game about 11.30. Um, and I missed... I missed it by like two hours or something. But as we started doing the one-hour show, we got a t- I got a text from one of the people within our network saying, uh, just so you're aware, the game's delayed because there was a fire earlier in the day in the rink, and it's now playing at 12.30. And so we had to then be like, oh, well, we're not playing the game now, and we've got to fill three more hours after this hour. So thank you for the Oilers and Flames for giving Tommy and I nice, you know, nice bit of a talking point that did uh, help us fill those extra three hours today that we didn't expect we were going to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they, they certainly gave you a lot to talk about, you and Tom, and Tom, of course, on the pre- and post-game shows, already talking about the Oilers quite a bit. But let's go back to Wednesday night. You're sitting in the, the downtown condo overlooking the Ice District. You're, you're watching the hockey game, and it's not even a minute in. I'm sure there's some people who haven't even sat down. Some people maybe grabbing a, a drink or maybe some snacks. They get to their TV, first period, one minute in, all of a sudden the orders are down 2 nothing. You're sitting in your loft downtown. What's going through your mind when that happens? When the first goal went in, you just go, oh, here's the bad start that we're used to seeing with the Edmonton Oilers. The second goal goes in right away, though, right after. You know, this is a little different. Like, oh, boy. The thing that actually, though, went first in my mind was, okay, like, if you're going to have a bad start, at least it's in the first minute of the hockey game because you have another 59 minutes to recover. You could make it up you could come back and so I thought okay let's see how they respond after that part but that first minute like I part of me was just like hey at least it's two goals in the matter of a minute and you got so much time to recover when you damn it to others you can recover um but then in the few minutes afterwards and I'm not even going to go until six minutes afterwards when they give up that third goal they still weren't looking good so it was one of those just earlier just like how could this team with the battle of Alberta with getting to the second round with them talking about how they were upset about the 9-5 loss to Calgary in the last regular season meeting between these two come out with yet another poor start and perhaps the worst start we've seen so far in the playoffs. Yeah, and that was it. Like, to me, you know, Battle of Alberta, obviously, it's going to be heightened. But just say it's game one of the second round. Like, it doesn't matter who the opponent is, obviously. You just you just got to get out there and have this start. And then factor in that, yeah, it was in Calgary. You're in the Saddle Dome. I mean, they were ready to play, clearly. The fans were going nuts, and, and that's what you come up with. It was definitely pretty disappointing. Uh, one one thing I saw, and, and you were right, like 100%, when Lindholm gets the first goal, it's like, okay, well, that sucked. How does it get worse than this? Like it's a, it's a lead you can come back with, especially with Connor McDavid and Dry Settle and the offensive firepower that the Oilers do have. But then, like immediately after, Ryan Nugent Hopkins just makes a crazy bonehead play in his own end, has a chance to get the puck out of their zone, and decides to throw it right up the slot. And that happened about thirty seconds before the goal, and then all of a sudden, two nothing. And uh, I mean. I don't know what it is, and I know Gregor and Rashad talked about it today, about the slow starts and and what it's been. It's it's kind of been a characteristic of this team. 
I've long said it's on the players. You got to find a way to be ready. This isn't college. This isn't you know pee wee where the coach can fire you up and and get you ready. Like the players individually have to be ready to go at puck drop. How do you correct that if you're Jay Woodcroft, if you're Dave Manson, if you're anyone on the coaching staff to the players? Like what what has to be said for these guys to figure it out eventually? I don't think there's an answer to that. I don't think I don't think there's anything you can do as a coach in hockey. Like the only thing I can think of is you make a major changes to your roster. Like, but you're not going to do that. Like that, that's the only thing I could say because this it, to me it is it does come down to a player. This is your job. This is what you're being paid to do. You should be ready to go. No one should have to tell you that. It's the playoffs. It's an important game. Like, I'll, you know, it's, we're not in the same world. Things are different. But in radio, when there are certain days that are pretty important in radio, you know, we've got trade deadline day, you've got free agency day. There's just certain days. Right now, playoff time for us even. We know that this is what we have to talk about. And our boss doesn't come to us and every day making sure we're ready to go with our show. He doesn't come trying to fire us up. We know we have to do that. And if we don't produce and do well, we know that that's on ourselves and we didn't do good enough of a job. I would think it's somewhat the same with these players that this is what you're paid to do. You're paid to show up and no one should have to force you or get you ready and amped up to play in a playoff game. Something you've dreamed of your whole life, something you're, you know, you're wanting to go win the goal that you've, everyone, even us have had growing up, which is win the Stanley cup. So I look at the coaching staff and go, what could you do outside of actually sending a strong message with, changing your lineup, pulling people from the lineup to go, you guys aren't starting well enough, this is how we're doing it. I don't think you can do anything else. I don't think you can say anything. This, to me, is entirely on the players. Maybe there's a one-off game where a coach needs to pump up a team, but it's playoffs now, and if you can't pump yourself up, if you're not doing it yourself, there are problems that I don't think a coach can fix. Yeah, and I mean... It doesn't even have to be in a profession. Like I say to anyone who's listening and might say there's something coaches can do, I say look at you know your sports career. Going back to whatever sport you played, if the team had a slow start, who in their right mind ever looked at the coach? Like I would always be like, okay, guys, we we got to figure this out. So yeah, definitely something that I think you know the players have to figure out. And uh, Rashog said like just just do something to be a positive. You know, it might not be a goal, it might not be a, a huge thing, but throw a hit. You know, get get an some offensive zone time, just small little victories to get the game going because, I mean, it's just something that for the first two periods, I, I joked on Twitter, like, stop listening to Sarah McLaughlin before you go out there. I don't know. That, maybe she's got some good pump-up songs, but she was the first one that came to mind. Like, they, they've just got to change it up a little bit. And, I mean, I, I think I noticed two two periods in a row, and even the third period, it was the Nuge Archibald line going out there. And I've always been someone who thinks, you know, put McDavid out there. I, I don't care what the matchup is from the opposing side. You have the advantage when you have the best player in the game on the ice. So let McDavid start every period off and, and take it to him, right? But I don't know. We'll, we'll see if that changes going forward. The one thing, though, like I look at yesterday and go like to Rashad saying, like, you go make a hit or something, though. They scored so quick that you didn't have time almost to do that. And then I wonder what happens after, because you mentioned Nuge's turnover. I wonder if it went into their minds, you know, because this has become a story of the season. It's not something of just the playoffs, of the season of slow starts. I wonder if it just went mentally in their mind of, oh boy, here we go, another bad start by us. 
and that then led to that second goal so quickly. It led to a goal six minutes into the game and being down 3 nothing. that they won just a lead goal so soon that they didn't have time to make that positive impact to get ready. And then mentally they were crushed because they know that this is a story around this team. It's it's crazy. And I mean, I, I don't know, like, I even think going back further, you know, with different coaches, like, it's it's been something that's popped up here and there. Even, mm-hmm. you know, Todd McClellan, uh, I don't know if it's gone back further than that, but I mean, my memory is just not what it once was, so I, I can't really remember going back too far. But the slow starts have just been a storyline. Uh, Mike Smith, Jay Woodcroft did say he will get the start in game number two. I don't think that's a big surprise, but how confident are you that Mike Smith can bounce back and, you know, give the, the Oilers the goaltending performance they need? If it's for the entire series... Um, I never could be too confident in Mike Smith. I know he played great in April. I know he played pretty well in the last series. But he's still Mike Smith, and he can give you nights like he did last night, or he could have moments like he did in Game 1 against the LA Kings, or Game 5 where he just lets in very poor goals. So like, I, I do know that and feel, that, and it's obvious to me, that Calgary, even though last night he didn't play well, Calgary had the advantage in net. Um, but... If I'm going to look specifically at game two, I have a lot of confidence in Mike Smith because when you look at last series where he had a stupid play in that first game, which cost them, he came back and had a shutout in game two. You look at what happened after game five when he, you know, it wasn't on him the loss, but he let in some weaker goals, you would say. What happened in game six and even game seven? He played extremely well for the Edmonton Oilers. He bounces back well. He, it's almost like a, to a degree feeds off of these poor games that I'm confident in him going back in tomorrow against the Flames for game two. And overall, as the series, I'm as confident as I think you could ever be with a four-year-old Mike Smith, who parts this year did not play well, was injured, and at parts this year then did look brilliant. You just never know what you're fully going to get from Mike Smith. So uh, it's a two-part answer for me there. But uh, you know, overall, worried about the series, but not that worried about tomorrow because I do think he could come out and have a brilliant game, which all of a sudden it's a one, two goal game with one nothing, two one type hockey game and it comes down to scoring and then I like the Oilers chances. So, you know, all the people wanting to just get rid of Mike Smith and if you know yeah, for next year, let's let's have that conversation in the offseason. The goalies are who the goalies are, and you don't go to someone who just lost an NHL playoff series. You don't go to someone who hasn't played in the NHL as a, with as a starting goalie since February. Um, I'm not ready to go to Miko Koskinen yet. You go with the guy who had a brilliant April, who did pretty well last series, and you stick with Mike Smith. Yeah, not going to disagree with you at all. I mean, give him a chance to bounce back. He had a, a an iffy performance against the Kings in Game One. Obviously, he didn't have that uh, I don't know marquee moment where he tosses one up the middle, but he did bounce back, played strong for the Oilers, helped him get the series win. So we'll see if he can find a way to get that going on uh, Friday. Uh, looking at the flip side uh, for the Calgary Flames, Markstrom uh, a tough night for him as well. Like it, it wasn't just the Oilers goaltending. Uh, the glove hand on Markstrom looked quite shaky at times. Do you think that's you know, something the Oilers can exploit here going forward? Well, I think it's something you're going to try to exploit. You know, if, if that's the type of game you had, I know the one fear you have if you're an Oilers fan is Markstrom had such a poor game yesterday. Like, in the end, Mike Smith gave up the least amount of goals out of all three goalies, you know, which is just absolutely incredible to think of. Um, but, you know, you wonder, did you waste away an opportunity where Markstrom wasn't on his game? Because he was brilliant against Dallas. He's a Vesna finalist. He's a great goalie. But if there's something maybe you look at, 
yeah, you can replicate. Maybe not have Mark uh, Markstrom giving up six goals, but giving enough for the Edmonton Oilers to win. I think you're looking at that glove. So, uh, like, is that something they figured out that, you know, I think absolutely that's the way to defeat Mark Markstrom. I'm no Kevin Woodley. I'm no Foley experts. I won't exactly pinpoint that. It could just have been a bad game for Markstrom. But I think if you see him in probably looking at that, you knowing that you were down four goals in that game at one point, it was 6-2, and you found a way to tie it partly because you were able to go towards that glove, I think you would behoove the Oilers to attempt to, to go that way and see if, even if Markstrom, it wasn't something prior and he's always had this great glove hand or something, maybe it's in his mind right now because of that poor game, and you could catch him to a degree there, so uh, it's something I think everyone should watch for, and I'm assuming the Oilers probably are going to try at the very least early to see that's the spot, is that the way to get Markstrom on a bad game again. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on in DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NHL has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. You can visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut in Iowa 1-800-BETS-OFF in Louisiana 1-877-770-STOP 8778-HOPE-NY in New York in Oregon you can visit opgr.org in Tennessee call the red line 1-800-889-9789 and in Virginia 1-888-532-3500 21 plus, 18 plus in Wyoming. Must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Matthew Iwanek of TSN 1260 joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Matthew Iwanek. You can hear him on the Dave Jamison Show, Monday through Friday from noon till 2 on TSN 1260, like I said. Uh, Matt, one thing that we knew was going to be big in this series was emotion. And uh, one of the things that I saw, you know, Zach Cassian took the penalty immediately following a goal, which was a big momentum killer because the Flames would capitalize on that power play. On Twitter, I had people telling me he didn't do anything, but... From what I saw, which wasn't much because Sportsnet really didn't give us a replay, uh, we, we didn't know exactly what happened. But Cassian didn't seem to argue with the commentators, didn't seem to say much about it. So I just assumed that the penalty was warranted for whatever it might have been, uh, maybe 
reacting to what happened to him. But, you know, it's, it's such a thin line in the playoffs. You know, you, you want to support your teammates. You want to have that, uh, I don't know, wolf pack mentality where you're going in and supporting each other. But at the same time, you don't want to cross that line. And in the first round, we saw Cassian do it a couple times. We saw Vander Kane. And against the Calgary Flames, with a guy like Milan Lucic, with guys like, uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk, like the Oilers to me, they've got to be very careful about how they react in certain situations because it doesn't matter who the team is. You don't want to give them a power play. And the Flames have some guys who can kind of goat you into it. That's the thing that I, I think a lot of people talked about. And I, I brought it up on, on the show yesterday, on Wednesday, prior to game one, was I think one of the keys to the Oilers is, you know, watching what the Calgary Flames do and, and don't fall into their trap. You, you know, we've seen it with Matt Kachuk in the past before, especially where he becomes, you know, that little pest out there. And then the Oilers focus on Matt Kachuk and trying to get retribution or doing something to Kachuk and also in the puck scoring in the back of your net because you're not focused on your game plan. You're not focused on scoring goals. You're focused on Matt Kachuk. Chuck and when those scrums happen, when situations happen, yes, at times you want to be there for your teammate, you want to defend your teammate. But in this series, there's got to, the, the Oilers would probably benefit more often than not skating away and not even reacting to what the Flames are doing. Like if it is beyond dirty, what the Flames did, yes, you stand up to your teammate, you get in there if you have to. If it's something that's just what you're going to get in the playoffs. Just, just move away because that's where the Flames will get their advantage. They will go you into something. They will get you thinking about them instead of your game plan and your own, just the way you're doing things. And you get situations like that casting yesterday where you bring up, you know, I saw your tweet yesterday on that. It was right on. They always get a goal. And next thing you know, it is a power play for the Calgary Flames. And didn't they score on it? They did, yeah. Right, like so. Now you've got a, a you just negated the goal that you guys just you know the team just scored, and how how impactful could have that been if the fact that the Oilers tied in the third period? Well, now you know obviously butterfly effect things are play out a little differently, but you can look at it and go maybe the Oilers have a six five lead at the start of the third period or early in that third period because they take the lead with that goal, and we're talking about the Oilers found a way to storm back and win that hockey game yesterday. So you got to pick and choose your battles, and against this Flames team, I think mostly you've got to look at walking away and skating away and not getting involved with stuff, because that's what the Flames want you to do. They want you to react. They want you to think about them and think about the pests that they have, or Lucic and Kachuk, and not think about your game plan, because that's when they will that's when they have their advantage, and that's they also know when the Oilers are playing their, as well as they can with Connor and Leon and everyone going, it's tough to stop. This is their way of containing the Oilers, and the Oilers got to be better with that. And if you're Zach Cassian, like you go do that, and yet the, on the stat line you have zero hits in the game. Like you pick, be better with your moments of when you're going to step up and be physical or bring some of that toughness to the game. Not in moments where it's going to hurt your team. It's it's funny you bring that up, and it, it's maybe not actually that funny. But Duncan Keith, Cody Cece, Chris Russell, Darnell Nurse. No hits in that game. Yeah. Uh, Kulak, Bouchard, and Russell, the guys credited with hits. I think there was nine total Oilers that were not credited with a hit. Connor McDavid leading the way with five. Like the guy's doing everything he can. So yeah, team toughness uh, between the whistles is is when you got to get it going. 
I think that's the thing that we didn't talk about a lot today about this game is the fact that it wasn't even just these guys didn't register a hit. The guy leading the way for you in hits is Connor McDavid, and that's not his job with this team. You know, you don't want Connor like, yeah, go make some hits. He's good at this. You know, he, he's got an all-around great game in many ways. He shouldn't be the leader, though, of hits for your team. That is an embarrassment for the rest of the team. You know, yeah, you want to give credit to Connor, but come on, guys. Like, it's not even that this is a battle of Alberta. <laughs> this is the playoffs. We know that you need to be physical and tough. Where have you been? Now, Darnell Nurse, maybe there's a little something there because he's hurt. Yeah. But you mentioned so many other guys like Chris Russell as well and Cody Ceci and Duncan Keith. What are you doing out there? Like, if you're not going to contribute to this team in other ways, like defending or scoring goals, at least go hit someone. And they couldn't do that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Derek Ryan, I know physicality is not your game, but throw a hit. Uh, Zach Hyman had two hits, so he's good. Dry saddle injury, we're not going to blame him. Zach Cassian, come on, man, you got to throw a hit. Uh, also, Ryan McLeod, another one. Like, throw a hit. It doesn't have to be huge, but, you know, let them know at least you're going to be bringing that physical element and, you know, you don't have all day to maybe uh, go retriever puck in your own end. Like, put, put them into the boards. Yeah, I think before the game, I, I might have been McDavid and Nuge. They were asked, like, which player on this team would have fit, you know, with the Battle of Alberta, yeah. you know, back in the 80s. And I think they both picked Zach Cassian. Well, what does he go do and respond in that game? He doesn't get a hit. <laughs> that wouldn't have worked well in the 80s, dude. Yeah, exactly. Four penalty minutes, though. So, uh, he, I mean, he's got that part down. It's it's just obviously not going to be good enough. And and before people say, hey, well, maybe it's just a stats guy in Calgary not giving the Oilers credit, uh, the Oilers finished with 23, the Flames with 22. So they were given more hits than the Flames. Uh, the Flames win on the scoreboard, though, where it really matters. Uh, one other thing, because like, we kind of talked about playing on the edge, and one thing I really liked, and it wasn't from an Oiler, but it was from... The turtle, the rat, whatever you want to call him, uh, Matthew Kachuk. When Shillington takes that penalty, he gets into the scrum there and he starts cross-checking Connor McDavid. And that's when Evander Kane comes in and, you know, throws the punch that gets them both taken off. Coincidentals. That obviously led to some, some confusion. But I mean, that was just such a, a good move by Matthew Kachuk, right? Like, okay, if I can try to, you know, like we said, goat someone into it, doing something dumb. Obviously, he went off too, so it didn't quite work out for him. But that's the kind of things that I think Evander Kane, Zach Cassian, uh, Darnell Nurse at times, they've got to be very weary of because that's, that's the kind of things that Kachuk's going to do. If it's a little cross-check to Connor McDavid, he can handle it. You don't have to go in there and take a penalty. Well, it's everything we just already talked about the Zach Cassian penalty. Like, mm-hmm. that's the Flames game. That's what they're trying to do. And, and, you know, yeah, it's a coincidental they both go to the box. But for the Calgary Flames, they know overall their team toughness is stronger. And so for Matt Kachuk, yeah, okay, they lose him for two minutes, but they know if the Oilers lose Evander Kane when it comes to the toughness of the team, that's a significant loss. Like, I would argue that the trade-off is a win for the Calgary Flames when it's Kachuk and Kane. So they went out on that, you know, and, and that's the stuff, you know, you kind of have to look at with this team is, is stop, don't be goaded into those things. That's the stuff that will hurt you if you're the Edmonton Oilers moving forward in this series. You're going to fall into the Flames trap and they're going to get the last laugh with it. If you skate away more often than not, again, unless it's absolutely dirty, unless we're talking, it's something that we're going to be talking about for all the next day, maybe suspension, fine, that type of stuff. 
outside of that, just skate away because then you have the advantage and the Calgary Flames don't. So um, that's something they're going to have to improve on. Will they? It's a good question, but it's a thing they absolutely need to focus on. Matt, would you make any changes to the lineup? Oh, boy. Like... Here's the thing, like you could talk about putting Warren Fogel in for Yesapoli RV, um, but you know, like, what, is that the issue for this team? Is that really going to make the difference for the Edmonton Oilers? If we're talking about the 12th, 11th, 12th forward of this team or something, if we're talking about the 6th, 7th defenseman of this team, is that really going to change the result of last night's game? I don't think so. Like To me, when it comes to playoffs, yeah, you need your four lines, you need your three defensive pairings. You're obviously going 11 and 7 and stuff at times like that. But, you, you know, you get my point. Like, you need to have other lines contributing to, but ultimately it comes down to your top players. And what the Oilers need better of is, you know, Darnell Nurse, maybe he's injured, but he needs to be better. You know, Duncan Keith yesterday and Bouchard need to be better. You need Mike Smith to be more Mike Smith from games three, four, uh, two, three, six, seven of last series. You need, um, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins to be playing a little better. You need McDavid and Drysaddle to stay as the way they are. I, I don't know if any of those lineup changes at the bottom really are going to impact things. So would I make them? Maybe it'd be good. Like maybe for yes to pull your maybe it's good he sits for a game. Maybe it's good that he just watches from a press box, sees what's going on. You get Bogle back in the lineup. You know he might be hungry because you know he played I think all eighty two games for the Oilers this year. Has been sitting in it throughout the playoffs. Maybe if he knows if I get back in that lineup, I got to contribute to to keep my spot here, and he's going to be a little fired up. But beyond that, like. I'm sorry, going to a Dylan Holloway, going to a Stewart, going to the Black Aces, and I don't think that makes a difference. The Flames are a better hockey team. You need some NHLers, and it has to come from the top guy. So I, there's not really many roster changes I would make. With the line changes, sure, you could look at that. But in terms of taking players in and out, maybe Fogel for Pugliarvi, but I don't think it really is that impactful to what happens in the series. It's good you bring that up, actually. Warren Fogle did play 82 games for the Oilers, the only player to actually play in all 82 games this season, and then he gets pulled out. And, I mean, when we heard about that trade with Fogle for Ethan Bear, that was one of the things that I thought a lot of people brought up was, well, you know, in the playoffs, you're going to like this Warren Fogle character, and obviously... Jay Woodcroft disagreed. He didn't like him in the first couple games, and we haven't seen him since. I wouldn't mind seeing him back out there, but yeah, I actually had someone tweet me about Dylan Holloway, and I thought, yeah, you know, on paper you like that what he brings in his skill set, but to throw him in there against the Calgary Flames after you know never playing in an NHL game, like that's that's quite a lot to ask. And you know, when he plays and when he's at his best, he's in a top six role. He wouldn't be with that with this group, right? So it's it's kind of tough to see for me to see him getting into the lineup. Uh, how about Nemo Linen? Would you like to see him bring a, a little muscle out to this group? You know, that's actually a good one. I, I didn't think about him really there, but I, I think that would be, you know, everyone knows that he brings a little more grit and physicality that, you know, maybe that's something that, that does come in and help this team. Like, uh, I guess that would be for Chris Russell, if you will. Like, I, I don't know who else you would be. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Who's the... Who'd be the other one you would take out? 
I mean, uh, <laughs> so just just not that I believe this, but when uh, I put it out there on Twitter, and I, I apologize, I shouldn't have do it, done it. I just created more negativity. But I said, what would you change with the lineup post-game? And I had some people actually saying uh, they didn't like Bouchard's game too much. I'm not saying I would do that because the offensive upside yeah. to me outweighs it. But uh, some people not happy with number 75 last night. Yeah, I wouldn't go Bouchard myself. Um, I think he, you know he's been there all year. He need, I, he needs the experience in the playoffs to 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 grow. So I would keep him out there. So yeah, I guess maybe more mostly it'd be Chris Russell. But yeah, in the end, like just with what he brings when he was with this team during the regular season, you know, everyone I think really liked him. I say you know he was pretty good. And the reason he went down initially, and everyone was like, why is he going down? Was because he was his wife was having a kid, and you know, in the end, like, he just for some reason never came back up. Um, so I guess that way he would fit in this. He would fit, you know, when you're looking at the stat line and seeing all those zeros in the hit column. I think maybe he'd be a guy that would go out there and get you some of that physical play. So, yeah, like another one that you could put in there. Again, I still don't think that that's going to be a big difference maker when it comes to the series or who wins and loses. You're talking about the bottom end of a defensive pairings. And, um, but, you know, if you're just, if you're Jay Woodcroft looking to just shake up a little bit of something, that would be one you'd absolutely look at. Yeah. You know, a player of, of trying to get him in the lineup. And there's probably a few options. Would cross and look at. Yeah, and I mean, for me, if, if if you're going to make those changes, I probably wait till game three when you have home ice advantage, and you know you can put Nemo Linen out there, yeah. maybe in more favorable situations. That's if if it doesn't improve defensively, right? If if they figure things out in game two and have a stronger performance, obviously uh, you're going to go with uh, the same old thing. Just as we were talking, because we talked about Warren Fogle, I was like, oh, what's, what's Ethan Bear doing out in Carolina? He hasn't played in a playoff game yet, hey. That's a good defense out there. It's hard to crack yeah. that one. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Both those guys, healthy scratches right now. We'll see if Warren Fogle uh, can get back into it. So, uh, Matt, just just based off what you saw with the Calgary Flames and what you know of the Edmonton Oilers, uh, looking at this series, did, did you have a prediction going into it, and has it changed at all after one game? No, I've, I've gone into the game, and some people don't like me for this, of not making predictions anymore. Um, but I did go into this series feeling Calgary was the favorite, and rightfully so. Um, you know, I know a lot of people want to put the Oilers and, and rate them a little higher than the Flames for some reason. Um, but Calgary, I think, has better depth. I think they're tougher, and overall, you know, Yesterday, aside, they do have the better goalie in this series. He is the Vesna finalist. Um, so it really didn't change much of what I thought. Like, I didn't think this would be a quick series. I didn't think we're going to be, you know, done after four games or something. I feel like we're probably going to go six or seven and go quite a distance. And, um, each team's going to find their wins. And I, honestly, I feel like the first four games, there's a really good chance the home teams are going to win them. And you're going to have a 2-2 series, but the Oilers are going to be down 0-2 coming home. And just because, you know, you got the crowd in it and just the way it's going to play out. So yesterday I didn't change too much of that. And actually, I felt like it actually maybe reinforced the fact that this is going to be a long series. The fact that the Calgary Flames were up 6-2 in the second period and didn't end that game with a dominating, you know, victory. Like, in the end, it is a three-goal differential. They get the empty netter. But really, it was 6-6 at the start of the third period. The Oilers found a way to claw back down four goals against that Calgary Flames team with Jacob Markstrom and Mennett. It just shows that the Oilers have the ability to put the pucks in the net and they have the ability to, to beat the Calgary Flames. We also saw yesterday at times the Calgary Flames are just strong team and they're not going to be easy to, to beat. So, if anything, God reinforced for me yesterday. It's probably still going to be a long series, um, but in terms of who wins or loses, I don't make those predictions. Um, let's just enjoy the talking. Uh, the only prediction, like, I don't think any of the games could be as chaotic as what we saw in Game 1. 
Yeah, it'd be tough to top that. For me, it's kind of like, you know what, it, it all went bad. The Oilers showed that they can score goals on this team. Also, figure out the power play. The power play was kind of a, just a mess in that one. I think the Flames deserve a little bit of credit for what they were able to do, being aggressive. But uh, some things the Oilers can clean up for sure. Matthew, thank you for doing this today. Uh, anything you want to plug? You want to do a little talking Sock podcast promotion here? You know, I should, but I haven't done one in a bit. Like, just every, it's been a chaotic time at the station, and uh, soccer, there hasn't been as much to go to. So I, I got to get one out soon. Um, but mostly, no. Actually, the thing to plug is tune into TSN 1260 at some point next week, if not the week after. On Tuesday, Dave Jamison makes his return to our building. Uh, first time in over two years he's actually going to be in our building. And very soon he's going to make his return on air, which is the first time in ten and a half months, I think it is. July 29th last year was his last day on air. So uh, uh, we're now just days away from Jamal's return to our building and um, a little bit longer than days away from his return on air, which is just going to be a great thing for everyone. What's going to be like the biggest impact off the air? Like, obviously, we know 1260 is going to be strong with him on the air, but, I mean, I look in that studio, and it's kind of a mess. Like, I, I know oh, he's yeah. going to affect that. I know uh, Jeff Walker, I think, is going to be impacted by the return of Dave Jamison. I mean, he's going to have an impact, like, to use it, like a sporting term, off the ice. Oh, yeah. Like, it's... The, the studio is going to have a nice little clean. There's going to be some things thrown away. So if there's anything laying around, uh, grab it quickly because he's probably just going to come in and throw it all out. Uh, he always jokes to me that, uh, like, cancer is, uh, it's a, they radiated out his filter and stuff. Um, so he's coming in. He, he don't care anymore. Um, so he's just going to throw stuff away. Dusty's always been a project of his, so he's going to keep working on Dusty. <laughs> but when he meets Jeff again, like, he's met him once, when he starts really getting to know Jeff, uh, Jeff's going to become a nice project for Jamo, which is going to be uh, fun to see. But uh, also in the building, what I, I'm trying to give Dave the heads up. I don't think he fully understands. Like day one on Tuesday, he's trying to tell me what he plans on doing, and like maybe he'll write a sports cast, or maybe he'll book a guest or something. And I'm telling him, like, dude. Your day on Tuesday is going to be jam-packed with people wanting to talk with you. You're not going to have time to do anything else but socialize because people want to talk to you. So be prepared for that, Dave. But he doesn't seem to believe me yet on that. I'm just going to walk in and be like, hey, can I have a sportscast, please? And then walk away just so I'm the opposite of everyone else and it'll be back to normal. Uh, we, we, you got to tell me because I, I don't think Jamie listens to my podcast, which is kind of hurtful, but I, I don't think he does. Uh, what, what kind of dessert guy is he? I, I brought him a cupcake once for his birthday. I don't think he really loved that. So um, maybe some Dave cookies or something. Dessert. What? Are you saying Dave and dessert? Yeah, like I, we gotta, we gotta get him something his first day back. So. Well, so he, I think he's starting to eat solid more. That's always been the issue because just with the radiation where the cancer is, it was around the throat, so he wasn't able to eat solids. He kind of kept away from that. So the, the, honestly, the safer thing is for his calories is actually beer right now because he's able to, uh, that's how he's getting some calories. So getting a nice stout would be good. But in terms of, I don't know what his favorite desserts would be. I don't know if, I don't know if he does that real sweet tooth or not. Well, what kind of, what kind of co-host am I if I don't know that about him? But I, I have no idea. See, I, I know how to make Struddy and Gregor happy. Like Struddy, a, a Slurpee with some sour th- soothers yeah. in it. Gregor is a... Big Turk. 
Big Turk or Dino Sours, uh, th- that would make those guys happy. So maybe there'll be a little bit of a spread for JMO, but awesome news to have him back. It's been too long, and uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of us still remember the day he told us that he was diagnosed with cancer, and for a lot of us, no doubt he was going to, to be victorious, and he's done such an awesome job, an inspiration, and uh, yeah, 1260 is going to be a better a, a better station, a better building, better atmosphere when he's back, and uh, looking forward to it. Matthew, I look forward to the next time you'll join me on this podcast. I look forward to it as well, Connor. Anytime. There you go. That is Matthew Awanik of TSN 1260. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter, at Matthew Awanik. Always appreciate Matty hopping on the podcast. And for the Edmonton Oilers, not a lot of positivity. I mean, I guess, I guess you could find some. There's a few guys who had pretty solid games, but... Overall, slow starts, not great goaltending, not overly physical. Lots of things you can clean up. So if you're really optimistic, there's a lot of room to grow in Game 2 for the Edmonton Oilers. That's going to go down Friday night, 8.30 puck drop, closer to 8.40. If you're looking for pregame coverage, TSN 1260 will have you covered. I'll be along there with Tom Gazzola and former NHLer Matt Cassie, and we'll go from 6.30 to 8.30 on Friday evening after that. The Battle of Alberta shifts to Edmonton for Game 3 on Sunday. It's a nice 6 o'clock puck drop. Nice and early for you. If you're looking for some pregame coverage on TSN 1260, we'll be back at it. 4 o'clock Mountain Time, the same usual crew. Big thank you to Matthew Iwanek for hopping on the pod today. We'll be back on Monday night, I think. I think Monday night we'll drop the next podcast. Of course, recapping the weekend for the Edmonton Oilers, getting you set for Game 4. Could you imagine if it was an elimination game? Could the Oilers be down 3 nothing? Could they be up 2-1? to one? Could they be down 2-1? to one? We'll find out next time here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Big thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network. DraftKings, sign up today. Use promo code THPN. While you're at it, give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. We'll talk to you next time here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.